0: Um So you were talking about tiredness
1: yeah
2: um i I like to practice first thing in the morning, uh kind of set my set myself up for success for the day, so to speak. Um, I find that it sounds good. Yeah, I find that i uh I just generally have more space internally um, if I do that. Um, I, I'm someone who deals with chronic pain, and sitting in the morning actually really helps, uh, kind of adjust everything. And um, so that's what I like to do. But that is tends to be kind of a, a sleepy time of day as well. Um, so I practice eyes open. Uh, I've been following the advice that you've you've given on taking kind of intentionally deeper breaths and even holding at the top um to energize the mind and uh you know flush out whatever toxins i think we were talking about last time uh, and that seems to be uh working so i i do yeah all right uh i am curious if you have any any books or anything that you would recommend um specifically on i guess on ipanisati
0: yes right down to chapter and verse the <laughs> the book between your ears <laughs> <laughs> okay you got me <laughs> all right um, the sutta itself is sutta number um, 118 in the Nikaya. that's where okay. the sutta it is and it is fabricastedly dense every line is profound in that <laughs> okay
2: that sounds and
0: exciting it to, and it needs to be read hundreds of times okay. <laughs> right down to the point of memorizing it because it's okay.
2: got that kind of value is there a specific translation that you would recommend we had talked about a lot of mistranslations in, in English. English Right. I
0: yeah. would go ahead and say that um I actually encourage students to begin to take up Pali. If you really mm-hmm. care about what the Buddha taught, uh, then uh, the way to go is to go deep enough so that you can begin to pull the words apart that even the dictionary on, online can't pull apart. Uh, okay. And you begin to get alternate definitions and how the words are used and things like that and you begin to see that many of the translations are wrong. They're wrong in several ways. One mm-hmm. is they're wrong in the translation. Another way that they're wrong uh, is uh, has to do with the grammar
1: mm-hmm.
0: and word order, and that so uh, changing the word order and things like that. But above all. Uh, uh, the Pali um, is a. It appears actually to be more than one language, but they were very, very close together. So that in some sutas, the they, uh, uh the nominative and the and the dative cases are different, depending upon uh, not like in Greek. Uh, uh, where the different kinds of Greeks were different times and things like that, and so changes were made like that, but this is mixed right in there to the Pali, but different suttas then will be just slightly different than the way that the Pali is used. However, the important point is, and this is the beautiful part, is is that because uh, of the regularity, if you have a whole lot of words that are going to be used in the dative case, then it's all going to have an om sound at the end of it. Uh, okay. the, way that, the way that we have in this just tiny little vestiges left in the English would be the words whom as opposed to who, him as opposed to he, and them as opposed to they. And it's that m sound that you hear an example of that is budam, saranam, gachami, Dhammam saranam gachami, sangam saranam gachami, so you hear that. That's why it can be sung, is because every word has so much similar, not the words themselves, but the tail end of every word comes back to that uh, Hmm. nam sound, budam, okay? And so that's what makes the Pali so poetic, is because of these Regular things that keep repeating over and over and over again. And if you get into the rhythm of it, it's actually music. Yeah. Okay. And and the clear example of that that everyone has heard is that when this goes... Yetipiso, so Eraha, Sama, Sambuto, Icha, Cheranan, Sampano, Sukato, Logavido, Anu Taro, Purisadam, Sata, Devam, Anusan, Ambuto, And this music. It literally is, the, the yeah. word itself is musical.
2: I love it. <laughs> what, 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 is, that's, what That's
0: is missing the f- in the translations. And so a lot ah. of the way that the, word, the wording is done in the suttas is to take advantage of that musical quality, especially with the verbs that are, that are very, very commonly used. One is hoti, and the other one is ba. Which means, uh, one hoti means already is, and bob is development or becoming or, um, process oriented and is very much here now. Uh, and, and you'll hear these words bounce back and forth. It's actually, uh, really, really a lot of fun to get into the poly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, but I got there because I'd already had both Greek and Latin, so I had a kind of uh-huh. a leg up. Because those languages follow these same syntax or uh, uh, all of these same rules. And because of that, that's why they are called this Indo European language, is because the words have endings that, that show what case they're in. And we still have vestiges of that in, in English. Like, for instance, in Spanish, they use uh, 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 del reo, the del means of. And we Mm -hmm. have the word of, like uh, uh, the barber of Seville. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, but that's a a different word or a separate word for that. It's just a case. And um, uh, it's not Mm -hmm. nominative. This is the gerund case. I
2: see.
0: Okay? And, And we also use the word possessive. Barbara of Seville means that Seville possesses, or he is the quality of of Seville.
1: Mm. Mm. Interesting, so like,
0: like the people of note. So there, and all of those are different endings in the poly. So as to keep track of of who is who, and
2: huh? Okay, yeah, I'm definitely interested in that. I, I'll look into that.
0: And 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 then. Uh, we begin to understand that so many of the words that are just ordinary words in Nepali, uh, By the time the translators get a hold of them, they've made them magical. <laughs> An example of that is Deva. Deva, manuna, ma, deva Manunasam. Or in fact, kings can be called Devas. But also high-class ministers, the people at the top, and so you would have also used the word Brahman to mean high-quality or or first-class humans, Mm -hmm. but often in the suttas, uh, they're talking about a Brahma god, which was not even a concept in the time of the Buddha. (laughs) And that devas are like the kind of devas that you would have in Hollywood, not the kinds that you have painted uh, on the side of a
2: church. Celebrity, I say.
0: Yes, celebrities. That's what the Deva means. <laughs> and what this Deva Manusanam, the Manu, there is the high quality humans like um tradesmen, carpenters, uh, landowners, merchants, that kind of quality of a person, Mm -hmm. as opposed to the putajana, which is your ordinary dirt laborer, no education, don't know nothing, and is very Mm -hmm. magical-oriented. And those are the ones that are hard to train are the ones who are very magical-oriented, but those who have an education or high quality, those are the targets for... uh, the Buddha that's why that is in there and it's right there in Nepali but because they make it uh, gods and men is how they translate (laughs) it it doesn't mean gods and men it it, it means it means your higher status of
1: uh, 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 from the caste system right
0: yeah it's just talking about the caste system exactly okay
2: okay fascinating
0: it is it really is um that there uh that the real teachings of the buddha in fact are not very magical but there's a lot of magical thinking from people and that the very clear example of that is here in thailand where for some reason or another, part of the history that I don't really have our knowledge of, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa uh, became well-known and friends of some very, very high people in the uh, aristocracy of Thailand that was concerned with the judiciary, the judges, uh, uh, the people, uh, Those were would also be the source of the politicians, for Mm -hmm. instance, even in the United States, most of the politicians are lawyers. (laughs) So we talked about the lawyer class, the lawyer, the legal people, all of that kind of stuff. There was a primary university in Bangkok. That was the Harvard of Thai. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and they brought buses down every weekend, several buses. So there's like 150 or so students that that are coming from this university every week during the 1980s because it's gotten very much organized. But it goes way, way back um, that <clears throat> Robert is currently translating a book that hasn't been translated into English yet of a series of 12 lectures that Bhikkhu Buddhadasa gave over a series of months called The, the Rain Season Rupanja. At what would in the United States be the equivalent of the large auditorium of the. Uh, uh, ju- uh, justice Department.
2: Uh, okay.
0: That yeah, that's, that's it. it. Okay. <laughs> right. and, and that it was all of the judiciary, all of the high judges. Uh, many of the wow. students, all the lawyers were the, were the students of Bhikkhu Buddhadasa. Almost in mass, and this was happening in the 1950s. Oh, wow! He had gotten that popular in that group, uh, and so uh, his reputation has now been really. They still send buses from Composite uh, University down to and he'd been dead 30 years, and they still send buses. Wow. <laughs> uh, so, that's the kind of thing. Uh, and that's why it's easier for people to understand just how popular bhikkhu Buddha Dasa got in Thailand.
1: Sorry about that. Interesting. Okay. I didn't. I didn't. I, yeah. Sorry
0: yeah. That. So there's a there's a huge place in
2: Bangkok.
0: Um, Gosh! The, if the property was sold now, it'd probably be worth
1: <laughs>
0: maybe a quarter of a billion dollars. I mean, wow! It is so huge, uh, and it is in literally downtown Bangkok. And it's all part. It is so large they've got a lake, <laughs> and they walk, and they use the lake to walk around to do um, walking meditation and whatnot oh, like that. And so yeah. there's, got, there's so much money in it. And that's, there's a website called BIA.org, which is uh, Buddhadasa Itapanya Archives. It's the archives. And you can oh. just Google pick a Buddhadasa. Yeah. Most of the stuff that's there is still in Thai language. That's it. But there are literally hundreds of books in English. Mm. And most of that happened simply because they bothered to record what he had to say since the 1950s
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: uh, to, to record it. And so they've got huge tape libraries that they keep reproducing and, and making it digital and trying to preserve oh, it. Oh, great. Or got people still trying to translate to other stuff. Um, he was very famous for one thing, was that uh, on a, uh, the, the full moon night, uh, before the Panza ceremony the next day, uh, it's traditional for the monks to sit up together all night is a tradition and that that would be the time when Bhikkhu Buddha Dasu would start uh, talking at about two in the morning and then it's time for the student, for everyone to go out to bend about at about seven wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that sounds tough
0: and, and, and so all of those talks and lectures have been recorded over the years. But, and so little of it has actually been put into English. Uh, but that it shows of the, uh, the enormity of the impact yeah. that he had. But here, let me tell you the story behind that. Because he didn't do much of anything different than his teachers and predecessors have done before with one little thing, which I'll get to in just a moment. Okay. <laughs> what he was doing, uh, he, he was actually a Pali scholar and going through the scholarly things of, uh, they've got nine levels of, of Pali. And he started to argue with the teachers about what the words mean. In the, in, in the tie, uh, and so um, he, al- he also became notable and would give public talks and so he was giving a public talk at a university basically this the equivalent of a uh, um, graduation talk mm-hmm. okay, to a wide variety but I think that it was at a nursing school Hmm. And uh, in that talk, there were people in the audience who did not like at all what he was saying because he was speaking at a noble level. I don't ever know what was in that talk, but I do know the story that it caught attention. And it got back into the school that he was in, which was uh, uh, one of the main parts of it. And they wound up having a thing called a sangha de and a sangha de has many different definitions, but really the deep part of it is is that a division in the Sangha. Sangha deceased
1: is Mm -hmm. the way you
0: look at it, okay? The destruction Mm -hmm. of the Sangha. Because they were saying that he was teaching heresy. He would teach something that would destroy the Sangha.
1: What was he teaching?
0: (laughs) What was he teaching? He was teaching Anatta. Anatta he was teaching noble dhamma he, he was not teaching at a university in a public audience uh, uh, about sila and rebirth and all of the beginning humble stuff that you teach children that he taught right from the get go the the very best of the bodha
2: to the good stuff
0: <laughs> and that there was fear in that in Thailand and you can see part of the fear is, is that um, one fear would be oh, if everybody figured out what the Buddha actually taught they would stop building these fancy mar- marvelous wats and temples <laughs> <laughs>
1: so yeah. that's
0: one fear and also they may stop supporting me because I've been the one who is feeding them all of that stuff so that they would mm. build all of these fancy temples. Because, I mean, we're talking about the people right at the top of the whole show. That's why it got to be such a big deal called the Sangha Dassesa. So here they come getting together 20 of the best known uh, high class monks in Bangkok to have a Sangha Dassesa about uh-huh. Dick and Buddha Mudadasa. <laughs> And he defended himself with suttas and in the process of develop defending himself with the suttas and what the words actually meant and things like that. For instance, I gave you the word deva Mm -hmm. that can be used as an ordinary word. Why make it magical? Right. Right. Exactly. Why make it magical when it doesn't have to be? We should, only, we should leave magic to where they're actually spelling it out in great detail, magic. <laughs> Not have to use the word, but you get what I'm talking about. Actually applying yeah. the air, what does that mean? Does that mean a sensation or a feeling of weightlessness? Mm. You can do that and still be on the ground. Or does All it right. mean the monk just shows up right behind you as if he had just floated <laughs> into the room, where in fact he just had been walking meditation, and he walks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right, I see. I see.
0: So much for the flying monks. But back back right. to the, um, uh, uh, the 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 story about Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa was yeah. <clears throat> that. <clears throat> Uh, He had friends on the inside that he didn't know about. Hmm. Yeah, he had some high-class friends who knew exactly what he was saying was exactly correct. Oh. That the nobility of Thailand was alive and well within the Sangha. And that those who want it can have it. But if you don't ask, they don't tell. And uh. Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa wanted to change that. He says, no, it's time to let it out. That Yes, there were dangerous times, and still it's a bit dangerous. And that he actually got people to befriend him with that notion, too. But there was a side point, and that is is that he literally sparked a reinvestigation of the suttas. Or the Thai aristocracy, the top group of the monks, everything that they had been taught in the Pali classes and all that kind of stuff got reevaluated. Wow. And that was kind of marvelous. And so in a yeah. way, Bhikkhu Dasa did spark a revolution, but he was only the spark. The fuel was already there. Right. Wow. And he sparked that off and he made some pretty, pretty high class uh, uh, friends, including one of them who became his teacher because he was only just a notch only about 10 years a month. then. he was not a ther,a he was not top. That was the other thing that was a little bit of a trouble is how dare this upstart of only 10 years in the month go around telling us what poly means, you know, we've been (laughs) at it 30, 40, 50
2: years now. (laughs) That's a good question.
0: Uh Uh-huh. But he did take on a teacher. The teacher he took on. He had many, many conversations in writing back and forth in the mail because his teacher remained in Bangkok when Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa came back here to the south of Thailand. Mm. And a lot of that stuff has not been translated, and we've got a whole lot of people who are really waiting to hear what Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa and his teacher talked about during the 1930s and 40s. Wow. But his teacher was... um, uh, uh, Achan Bhikkhu Buddhagosa Jern. Now you probably heard the I've name heard Buddhagosa. Of Buddhagosa, yeah. Yeah. So this is Buddhagosa Jern, and he was no less than the Sumdet of Thailand. And now the Sumdet is also where we can use the words sangha Raj is the king of the Sangha. He was the head okay. headest monk. He was the top. <laughs> When it comes to ceremonial, when it becomes, you know, there's this. uh, But he doesn't set any rules. It's like the reigning king, okay, rather than an actual administrator. But he does oversee all of the administration, and one of the administrations that they do, for instance, is uh, the Bureau of Religious Affairs. is a huge bureaucracy, mostly of um, laymen, but the the board are all monks. The Bureau of Religious Affairs are Buddhist monks in Thailand, period. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and they said <laughs> what all the policies are and that that uh, Bureau of Religious Affairs is also headed by the, that Sangha rise. So you can see there's political connections, there is mm. Sangha connections, it's the whole nine yards and this guy. Was Bhikkhu Buddha Das's teacher. Do you think that didn't open doors for Bhikkhu <laughs> Buddha
1: <Dhamma? laughs> Wow.
0: Wow. And so that's how the noble Dhamma snuck out of his sack in Thailand. <laughs> it had always had been there, but it was always under the rule of you don't ask, we don't tell.
2: Yeah. Almost came from the inside out.
0: Right. It has to come from the when the student is really ready for it. But Bhikkhu yeah. Dasa says, you know, I think it's about time for all of humanity to be ready for it. That the Buddha did say Deva Manusanam. In fact, that was part of the uh, the proof that Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa was was using. Was that the actual definition was he doesn't teach gods and men, he teaches you very high class quality people. Mm-hmm. The noble dhamma. So there was many, many connections that uh, uh, reverberate uh, through understanding what the actual Pali is is d- using yeah. versus the uh, intellectual uh, westernized stuff. That in fact, all of the modern um, <clears throat> Pali dictionaries are mm-hmm. all based upon the uh, Pali Society's original. Uh, lexicon dictionary, which Mm -hmm. was put together by Christians. Mm. The real scholars who went to India and put all of this stuff together and and, uh, began to uh, find out the bits and pieces of it, uh, mostly was collected in Sri Lanka, and so they went to Sri Lanka and started studying it. But they were from Oxford, um, Oxford and Cambridge, and there were scholars. We know them very well. In fact, we're very grateful to the original stuff done by I.B. Hohner and Riles Davies and his wife. Hmm. Uh, That they they were the ones who did all of the hard work of trying to put together what this really weird language was.
2: But But now there's
0: so much more about it.
2: Yeah.
1: So would you consider those translations like unskillful? Still?
0: If you can see skill as a rainbow, or you can see uh, one level of skill but not another level of skill, or you can see a combination of skills so that Mm -hmm. they're very, very skilled in this part but they're not very skilled at this part over here. See, okay, okay. And so, in that regard, yes, they're very, very skilled at making sure that uh, how to say it, that they have justification for every word. That's good. Okay. Justification for every word. I translated it this way, or this is how I put this sentence together, so that it, mm-hmm. they can justify it at least in their own mind. <laughs> That's that's like you can't see the forest for the trees, right? Because you're looking at every word, looking at every tree, and you miss the fact that you're in a forest. <laughs> see, interesting. And that and that's the part that I'm. Um, actually, I I have a relationship with a, a good friend who. um he learned Thai because he was a Mormon who wanted to send missionaries. He came to Thailand as, as, a, as a Mormon missionary. And that even though he learned Thai language um, in school very well, he was still very shy, but he started talking to the kids. And that's where he really picked up Thai language uh, is from the kids in Thailand and from them, from the kids, he picks up Buddha. All
1: ah. right.
0: Okay, and so now uh, part of the profession that he does is he does translations of contracts and all kinds of stuff. He's really, really top-notch wow. scholar in in Buddhism, but he hasn't. He's been back to the United States once in ten years. Can't blame him. And yeah, so he's a big fan of Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa and has actually owned their uh, translator list. Oh wow. What's what's his so name? Ah, uh, his name is Robert Bass. Okay. If you want to meet him, I can send you the uh link.
2: <laughs>
0: oh. he's, he's part of our club. He's one of our oh, cool. <laughs> 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 He's one of their insiders. I'm inviting you in.
2: <laughs> yes, that sounds awesome.
0: <laughs> so um, anyway, this is all about back to the poly. And Mm. this is where uh, it's interesting because Robert studies the suttas in Thai language. Mm. That's how he gets to the Pali, is through Thai, even though his native language is English.
2: Is Pali close to Thai?
0: No, but the way they translate the words makes different meanings than they do in the English.
1: Yeah,
0: okay. And and that in fact, in the Thai, one of the words that's translated differently than you would expect is is that they translate the word chet or sita. They don't translate it as the word mind. They translate it as the word heart in Thai. And the Mm. Thai word for heart is jai. And the word jai is used in all kinds of places. Jai-yin, jai-ron, <clears throat> um, jai-ni, um, many, many little particle words are put together to make an entire vocabulary that we would have for emotions. Ah. And so not just just heart, uh, but it's uh, jai-ron is anger. jai is cool. You can hear the word yin, so a, a cool heart, a hot heart, mm. a bright heart, a dark heart, a black heart. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> wow. Okay, and so all okay. of the emotions in the Thai language are used around this word heart, and that's the word that is used for this word sita. And when you understand it like that, then it makes then the satipatthana makes a whole lot more sense. Hmm. Okay. Because in fact, the frontal cortex, the higher quality of the mind, is actually uh, spoken of in the Pali differently as the Manu. Remember the Manu?
1: That we that talked about
0: man. Deva Manu is the same oh, word. Yeah. So the Manu now is used as the higher mind. The human, that's where the word man and human and woman all come
2: from, oh.
1: is that we're
0: higher than the other animals. The Chitta is the lower part of the mind that needs to be trained
2: yeah
1: and
0: that's <laughs> obvious and evident in the poly but uh, but but in the english they all translate it as just mind without making the distinction it's actually in the poly
2: yeah that makes a big difference wow
1: mm-hmm.
0: so that's there are just so many things that are like that that can be picked up once you begin to uh play with the Pali language if you're okay. really interested in what the actual buddha taught yeah and i'm looking for students who get interested in in, in the Pali. Yeah, i would like it because yeah. i would like to see a whole team put together of people who really know what the dhamma actually says and then let's yeah. put out an english translation of what actually is there not what the first cut was thank you very much for that first cut without it we could not do our jobs right but we needed to put a new face on this thing
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's really cool that it's almost like secret knowledge Mm -hmm. to bring out that's really cool yeah i'm definitely interested okay I'll, i'll look into that yeah
0: so uh i i then would guide the students towards sutta central okay because Suta Central has uh, uh, Biku, uh, I think it's Subatu. No, uh, Suba. Bhikkhu Suba uh, has done uh, an outstanding work of so much stuff. How much stuff that guy has done is unbelievable. In fact, there's only really one way that he could have done it, and that is by having it automated. And you can see the threads of automation under there that he's used some Google translator. Oh, something. Really? but he's put it together and now you can go in line by line with the poly and the English. Oh wow. And not yeah. only that, but they have a rollover poly dictionary so that you can check the actual dictionary and its depth of what that word means. But a lot of them it doesn't know because they're joined together and run on. But you can begin to see a thread. Yeah. Like, in fact, the word piti and piti are often used. Piti is one word. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. And we can also see like a e dukkha, e a vedana. And that's translated as neutral, but in fact it's not neutral, it's a suka a dukkha, which means I don't know whether I like it or not. And it's a confused feeling. Oh. And it's very easy to understand that from the Pali, but from English they will translate it to neutral feeling, because they don't yeah. really know what's going on under there. <laughs>
1: That's <laughs> ironic. You, have
0: to have to, you have to divide the word up to see what's really going on, and then you check. Oh, yeah! Now I got it.
2: Yeah, fascinating. Thank you and for so sharing. It's,
0: that. A, it's really cool. Yeah, I, I, it's, a, it's a toy. Not only that, but you can actually uh, go into YouTube mm-hmm. and Google or YouTube's uh, search for the word Polly, P yeah. A L I. And there, there's an entire group, um, a channel of dozens of videos that okay. follow various books so that you can just turn the video oh. on, of, on in Polly and learn about the syntax and learn about the, uh, yeah. uh, uh, a bit of the, they don't, they're not really strong on vocabulary building, but they're certainly good on grammar.
1: Mm.
2: Okay.
0: And, that, and that's really helpful. Yeah. To know some of the grammar, because then you begin to see that all oh, "hantu" and "hoti" are the same word. Huh. One singular, one's plural. Uh, I see. auntie
2: is plural. Changing the the end of the word.
0: Changing the end of the word uh, okay. changes. Uh, so that's singular and plural. But it uh, but but it's singular and plural. Uh, present tense because it has, is even though it's a verb, it still has uh, not just case and tense like English, but it also has to have um, uh, has to agree with the noun mm. in gender sure. and, and and person in the sense of uh, uh, first, second, third person. So it's very, very uh. complex each end of these words <laughs> and you wind up being, oh, the language is really simple. Basically what you learn to do is to Pick out what is an ending and what is not, and throw the endings out. They don't mean anything anymore. They're just too complicated. Let's go after <laughs> the bird and forget about all these endings. <laughs> but I did share one of the endings with you, and that is the uh, the uh, m sound. Yeah. Often done with a dot over it. Okay. Okay, like them and him and mm-hmm. whom, that m mm sound at the mm-hmm. end. Which, by the way, I think gives the word Aum in the Hindu. It's the same ending. Um,
1: yeah. Interesting. Wow. It really is. It is, the, it is yeah. the Language is so
0: fascinating. Roots, yeah. We've got roots in English of the Pali itself. That's the connection. Everything is so connected. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. That's some homework.
0: Okay. So, do you have any? any other questions shall we talk about uh, drama now that we've talked yeah
2: holly let's talk about soul. the drama um i was hoping to talk a little bit about uh, like like anger frustration and like disappointment i'm sure you get this a lot <laughs> and i guess the context would be like i i have small children and uh I noticed that.
0: Aren't they one, called delightful?
2: Uh, they so can't you're even.
0: anger and your <laughs> frustration, yeah, but they're not. <laughs> they could, but they, they would.
2: <laughs> Sorry about that. I no, it's fine. Right. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Um, I find that when I'm alone, uh, it's very easy to not just practice, but... Um, how to describe it I, I, it just feels easier uh, alone in general right and then when i'm around uh either it's it not necessarily children but um let's just say family let's blanket it with family i i just notice it's harder to you remember can use that word them <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? It's hard to to remember what we talk about, basically, and remember, you know, what to do, I guess.
0: There is a sutta where the Buddha talks about this very thing, and in there is the analogy that I have come to refer to, uh, almost as a catchphrase, as the log in the bog. Okay. Okay. So imagine a log there, laying in the bog, Mm -hmm. probably a cypress tree or something. They had bogs and swamps in in India and trees fall over. And um, they also had professional fire makers back then. Nowadays, it's really easy to set a fire. But um, fire makers were actually a profession, Um, as as well as something that was uh, associated with the temple. So fire was also kind of sacred, in a way, with fire temples, and I think that that was part of the roots of Zoroastrianism as an influence. It had been in India for a thousand years before yeah. the Buddha. Uh, so you've got a firemaker coming to try to set that log on a, on fire, the one in the bog. Can he actually set that fire on with his fire making tools? Can he set no. that fire? Set that log on fire? No, it's too gonna, wet. Uh, all right. Well, what if he takes that log and sets it out on the uh, the beach? He drags it out of the bog and sets it up on dry land. Can he then set it on fire? Eventually, yeah. Oh, you used the word eventually, intentionally, huh? So right after yeah. he pulls it out, he still can't light the fire, but if he leaves it there, both the sun and gravity will work to his advantage so that at least he can get the top part of the log to get caught on fire.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And in fact, that's a good way to do good work on a a dugout canoe. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? And that's how dugout canoes come funny about that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Whoa.
0: Whoa. So now we're understanding that this is the analogy that the Buddha uses about seclusion. Uh That we, the log, if we're going to get the mind set on fire into the wholesome, then we have to pull it out of the bog of the unwholesome. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so we need to remove ourselves. This is what the Westerners have called on to be meditation, Mm
1: -hmm. which
0: actually has more to do with seclusion while practicing Mm anapanasati, rather than all of anapanasati. It's just at this time we're doing it when we can get away from it all. Because that's literally what we're trying to do—is to get away from it all, so that we can get down to the fact that we can't get away from it all. Because we can't, even though we can close the door, we still brought the world in there. It's still right. in there. Okay. Right. And, and so, uh, one's right effort then is that any kind, any kind of worldly thought comes into the mind. We can catch that and say, no, no, you're not going to come into the mind right now, or I'm not going to entertain you. We're going to have wholesome thoughts
1: mm-hmm.
0: instead. So we keep changing uh, unwholesome thoughts to wholesome thoughts. And in the sutta, uh, that, it actually says this is one's right effort. When they're actually talking about how to apply the Eightfold Noble Path, this is it. This is the key ingredient. One's right effort is to change the content of the mind from unwholesome thoughts into wholesome thoughts.
1: <clears throat>
0: and that we can do that best when we're in seclusion to get started. Because the world will just automatically throw unwholesome thoughts all over us. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And kids are really excellent at it. Your kids know exactly where your buttons
2: are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Right, and so we need to practice in the beginning to uh, to learn to ignore these buttons actually in the mind, because the buttons mm-hmm. that they push are in the mind. And so we begin to un- uncover these buttons, and one by one, as we see them we make kind of the uh, conclusion that, hey, that's dangerous and I'm not going to be pushing that button anymore. Mm, Yeah. Okay, I'm going to not have that uh, kind of thought. I'm going to start guarding the mind for what's wholesome and what is not wholesome.
2: That's interesting you used the word dangerous. I never considered that because it's, it's so easy to just well, it is, it's easy to just not think about it and just go with that, whatever that feeling that comes in, it can be taken by it. But to think of it as dangerous okay. really reframes it.
0: Well, that was the way that the Buddha used that word in the sense that um, the ordinary mind sees the delight in whatever it is, whatever you've got in your mind. But mm-hmm. I could use the word donut. That the guy only sees the delight in the donut,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he can't resist it. Ah. But if he can see the danger in that donut, now he's got a doorway into the resistance of the donut, which means the escape from the donut. I can actually escape from that donut by reminding myself how dangerous it is. Yeah. So this is what we mean then is by when we say when we see an unwholesome thought is unwholesome, that means that we can see the danger, we can see the dukkha in it almost in the sense of uh ooga uh uga, uga duka five seconds ahead, five seconds ahead. Watch right, it. yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, it becomes a huge red flag.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. So you start leaving these red flags out so that when these unwholesome thoughts come we can, we can flag them and remove them and say, well, wow, I don't have to think that way. I don't have to think about it like that. I can be happy and joyful instead. Right. All right. Hmm. And okay. This is the teaching of the Buddha that's all over the place that so many people miss, is this quality of gladdening the mind itself, yeah. is how it's called in the um, Anapanasati Sutta. Mm-hmm. Removal of the hindrances is just all over the place. Every time that the hindrances are mentioned... They're mentioned in the sense of that when you catch it, you have to remove it. And then mm-hmm. also occasionally in many other suttas, it will have that there are five uh, analogies for these hindrances. And the analogies uh, are actually quite powerful. And that you can see that well, people will say, well, five hindrances and five analogies, that means they're exactly one-on-one. no. <laughs> Actually, you begin to see through these analogies how they are similar together. You begin to see the similarity in the five hindrances. And so it's much more Mm -hmm. like this rather than like that. They all kind of come together so that we can begin to see that, oh, well, desire will call restlessness. And, oh, right, doubt is mixed in there and you know and then yeah. everything begins to see well well, all of that stuff is all connected together yeah i see that okay and so the the five analogies is one that you feel and then you get well that you're in the hospital that day that you want out of the hospital, you really want out. Have you ever been in the hospital? <laughs> do you remember the Braceville, day when yeah. you got out? Yeah, uh-huh. do you? You really want out of there, right?
1: That, yeah. That's what
0: we're talking about. <laughs> that you're reared to go. I want out of here. Okay. And so, but when you were sick, you actually wanted to be in the hospital.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So the hindrances are then like being sick. And you actually mm-hmm. are okay being sick, okay being in the hospital because we're sick. But when we start to feel good, all of a sudden, hey, man, I want out of here.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> and this is one of the analogies that when you get that being being free from the hindrance is like getting, uh, getting over being sick and how much better we feel. Mm-hmm. And we want to go now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. The next analogy is the one that Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa really, really spends a lot of time with. And that's like being in prison, talking about the prison of the mind. Yeah. Okay. Well, in a way, being prison is like being sick because in prison, you can't go where you want to go. You can't do what you want to do. That You're tight. You're, you're bound. And prison is kind of like a hell because you don't want to be here. Right. And you can't get out to where in the hospital, you want out, and you know you're going to get out. But in yeah. prison, you want out, you're not getting out. <laughs> don't get out of here. That's the feeling of prison. And you don't get out, and then all of a sudden, you're out. How does that feel? When finally you're released right. from it, yeah, wow, what a feeling yeah these hindrances is because I was doomed to be in hell. I was rotting in prison and now somebody sprung me. (laughs) That's why they use that word sprung, is because it feels that way, just launched right into the air. Yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) 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 Hmm. Okay, okay.
2: Okay. Mm
0: -hmm. The next of the analogies uh, is, is the analogy of being a servant. Mm -hmm. like the servant to a king the servant to the king has to get up before the king does get dressed get ready to get when the king wakes up to dress him and feed him and get him and then he has to follow him around all day and when the last thing that happens is the king retires the servant has to get him dressed for bed and everything like that and after the king retires only then now can the servant get any rest
2: King and or children?
1: Case, huh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you have understood my point precisely. <laughs> exactly. Exactly so. It's like all day long we're in service or we're in duty to something. Yeah. You have to do it, and we don't have much choice about doing
1: it. Mm -hmm. Well,
0: in a way, that's, again, kind of like a prison. Mm -hmm. In a way, again, it's kind of like being sick. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Okay, and so the next one, then, uh, the analogy is imagine that you're in debt. And then you finally sell whatever it is that you needed to sell, made Mm -hmm. enough profit, and now you can pay off the debt, and now you're free from debt. Or imagine paying off the mortgage
1: or -hmm. paying off the Mm -hmm.
0: car loan or paying off the student loan or whatever it is that people are in debt for now. What a relief that mm-hmm. I don't owe anybody anything completely free from debt. No monthly payments. Well, maybe one or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, the rent. Number two, the Internet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the important stuff.
0: <laughs> right. Right and so those are the only two But other, neither one of those are in fact um, debts because see I can choose or not to have the internet anytime yeah. or I can choose to pay the rent or not and have a place to live so that's always up to date so neither one of those are debts debts are things that when you don't want to pay them you have to anyway
2: <laughs> yeah like, like paying for a mistake almost <laughs>
0: all oh, right that's right. you buy that car that's a mistake and you're going to pay for it for five years
2: <laughs> i yeah. yeah i see the analogy okay
0: yeah so this, this is the buddha's analogy of feeling like that. but so what's it like to be completely free from debt? it's very much like the feeling of I don't have any work to do right now. That I don't have to be at the beck and call of the king every moment. Mm-hmm. I can. I used to get a mm-hmm. And that I, I can find uh, ways of getting out of prison. And I can find ways of uh, uh, feeling good. That I can, in fact, change uh, the way that I feel. But I don't have to be sick. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the final one now is the one that's very interesting, and that is the analogy of having a bunch of baggage that you're carrying on a trip. Mm. With The original analogy was that you're in a caravan with all of your years worth of uh, goods that you're bought, and you're taking them back home, Mm. and that you're crossing the desert. And all of the dangers of the thieves and of uh, broken legs on the camels and the dead camels and everything can go wrong and anything <laughs> that will can go wrong. And then you finally make it home. Mm. Make it home oh, yeah. and everything is okay. You've got all, every camel is still alive and all your baggage is just standing there. No thieves got any of it and you've made it. In fact, mm-hmm. this baggage may be exactly what you use to pay your debts with, right. to keep yourself out of debtor's prison. And on it goes. <laughs> so you want <end> <laughs> to wait a minute, these things are all the same thing. Yeah. Same. yeah. Right. And being free from the hindrances is like being free from all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yet so many meditation systems don't teach this in the sense of this is the practice of the Buddha, is to be free from this stuff any and every time we think about it. To mm-hmm. come out of this harmful, wholesome, unwholesome state and come into wholesome thoughts.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we begin to practice that over and over again till we get, begin to get good at it. Now, uh, one of the analogies that I'm using nowadays is the one out of Sutta number 19, where the Buddha talks about a, a cow herd that has to take the cows down the trail but along the trail there are people with their uh food stalls or the kids are out there or whatever like that and so this uh, cow herd has to make sure that these cows don't do any damage along the way because mm-hmm. if they do some damage somebody's going to harm him and put him in jail uh mm-hmm. bust his chops take his cows whatever and so he is making sure that these cows are um going down the straight and narrow now this is exactly the kind of thing that we want to think about for the new students or in fact for the buddha himself as he began to do this is to start watching every thought to make sure that this thought is not going to stray off into stepping on some child No pun intended, believe it. (laughs) But you got my drift. Great. This is exactly what we're talking about, that we've learned to try to keep these thoughts wholesome. Mm -hmm. And the best place to do that is when we're only dealing with our own mind, not real cows and real kids. Mm -hmm. But we do this inside the mind, so that we can get the mind into a wholesome state. And then once we get it into a wholesome state, that means that this is when we we apply the mind to the wholesome and sustain it in the wholesome. So that we have one wholesome thought, after another wholesome thought, after another wholesome, uh, wholesome thought, and if the mind strays into Uh, an unwholesome area, we bring it back into the wholesome, Mm -hmm. over and over and over again, just like the cow herd has to hit the cow with a stick to keep them in line because they're likely to stray out. Well, once he gets them out of town and gets them to the pasture, say, where they have already cut the straw or cut the rice down and there's still straw in, in the pail, Now, he doesn't have to watch them so close because he knows all of the cows are wholesome and where they are is okay. And so now he doesn't have to work so hard.
2: I see. Yeah.
0: All we have to do is just keep noting that the thoughts are wholesome. These are wholesome thoughts. Everything is all right. Everything is okay. Everything is fine. And so we begin to have wholesome thoughts about what's happening in the present moment. We can also have wholesome thoughts in the sense that this is the way things are, not just right this very moment, the the nearness of the present moment, but things that are also now that have been here for a long time and will remain here. There are some things that just are Mm -hmm. what we would call reality, the are part of the reality. Okay, and we could then say that, wait a minute, the Four Noble Truths are like this. Mm-hmm. They just are, that's why they're noble is because mm-hmm. they were there in the beginning They're there in the middle And they're going to be there in the end They're just always there This is why the Buddha was able to call them noble is because he knew that they had been there all along uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> That's what makes them noble Is because here they are And they haven't changed a smidgen Since mm-hmm. the Buddha that's what makes them noble. And we have some other noble things, like uh, elements. Some of the elements are noble is because they don't mess with nothing. Argon is one of the noble gases. And that was why it was the one that was first used in light bulbs, is because no matter how hot that uh, filament got, the argon would not gonna eat it. Wouldn't have anything to do oh, with wow. it. Oh wow. It's noble. Okay, so nobility <laughs> in that regard says ain't having nothing to do with it.
2: Interesting. I did not know that. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, Uh, okay.
0: And so we actually can apply our own mind that way in the sense I ain't going to have nothing to do with that Myra. I ain't going to have nothing to do with those unwholesome thoughts. We're going to have a noble mind that only uh, interacts with or allows noble thoughts, including the noble thought of the Four Noble Truths. This is Dukkha. This is the source of Dukkha. In other words... By investigating deeply into the second noble truth, we begin to figure out how the mind actually works. And that is the teaching then of the Buddha of Paticca Samuppada, mm-hmm. which you've probably heard before. Mm-hmm. Dependent origination.
2: Yeah. Uh, In, so interbeing, isn't another term for it? I don't think that's a real word, but I've, I've heard that phrase a lot, interbeing
0: uh i i'm not sure that's a very loose translation for sure okay. <laughs> uh but basically what it's talking about is cause and effect in fact the second noble truth is the cause of suffering so now we're going to begin to take that word cause and really expand it to see exactly how ignorance causes suffering how ill will Causes suffering, how anger causes suffering. In fact, Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. shows us by understanding this that anger is dangerous
1: Mm -hmm.
0: because anger can cause suffering. But if we can't see that anger is dangerous, then that means that we've got both anger and ignorance. (laughs) Right. Because we cannot yeah. see how dangerous the anger is. We can only see the delight of I'm right and you're wrong and I'm going to prove it and you've got to do my way and give me what I want.
1: <laughs> okay?
0: That's yeah. what anger is all about. So with that, we don't see the danger. We can see the danger when someone else pulls their anger on us. Yeah, definitely. But we cannot see the anger as dangerous when it is here in one's yeah. own mind.
2: When it's my idea.
0: <laughs> right. When is my when is my angry is not dangerous angry. <laughs> right. No, I right. I'm such a gentle being, I'm won't tear your throat out, but I'm doing it gently.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I think I'm starting to see specifically why I forget in these moments. And I think it's because when when the mind is primarily in unwholesome thoughts, then doubt prevails as, as sort of like, I, I, I start to forget that I, I was successful with this and then the doubt takes over and I think, well, was I really, or have I been making this Mm -hmm. up or?
0: Exactly so this is why it's so valuable to keep practicing getting ourselves even into a little bit of sukha, into a little yeah. bit of satisfaction any satisfaction at all is good satisfaction mm-hmm. wanting our satisfaction air how small it is to be better than it is or bigger than it is is not satisfaction at all
1: mm. Right, so Being something this, strange about is.
0: this stuff sound satisfying right to become satisfied. Yeah. This is OK.
1: Now,
2: is, is there is there a situation you can imagine where that would just not be true, where I would be lying to myself?
0: Ah, uh, the ultimate question then would be what is going to be on your mind in your last blind moment upon yeah. death? uh-huh can you have a wholesome thought then i hope so <laughs> all right.
1: Well, let's practice, on right?
0: That, right let's practice yeah. <laughs> i'm going to be ready for that one <laughs> <laughs> but by doing it that way then we can begin to say okay i can also put on that not to do list like not to feel bad upon death not to feel bad when daughter comes and pushes buttons
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: and and then when I fail to 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 be easy on myself for it, right?
0: Right. It's okay she doesn't get to you. She's she's working very hard. Congratulate her for how hard she's working. at getting <laughs> under your skin and she can't do it, ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. And so you're okay, both okay. to be congratulated. One, look how hard she tried and number two, look the fact that she couldn't do it this time.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. I've actually been thinking about this a lot in in reincarnation and kind of reframing that to really just be every moment.
0: You're reborn every moment. The question is, are you going to be reborn as an animal? Are you going to be reborn in hell? Are you going to be reborn in uh, a woeful state of wanting something you can't have? Are you going to be born in the state of being afraid, all dressed up and no place to go? Or we're still <laughs> all dressed in battle and afraid to march out into war? Yeah. Like McClellan. Do you know the story of McClellan? I don't. McClellan was the general of the army for the north in the Civil war he trained the army to perfection but he wouldn't take them into battle he finally <laughs> lincoln had to replace him and that's oh why Grant won. was because grant had crackerjack troops all ready to go to battle but couldn't <laughs> wow. okay and and we get like that we're afraid to go yeah. and act we got everything we need i mean people do that all the time they don't want to go to that interview Right, and they long and desperately want out of the job they're in. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And so that's just another kind of being reborn of wanting something that you don't have. Of uh, at this time, it's because you're afraid of failure. I mean, boys do that with girls all the time.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see. It's always my choice. Every you know, I choose where I'm going to be reborn, basically. Mm-hmm
0: well uh basically no that's not the case basically what is the case is is that you are reborn according to your habits of how you have been in the habit of being reborn Mm -hmm. the buddha actually talks about this i finally found passages in the sutta where he's directly referring to habits about how we repetitively do things and he talks about it in the sense of uh if the mind inclines in that direction, then that is what we've become.
2: Oh, yeah. I, yeah okay.
0: Sure that's that. Yeah. That, so that's that's our habits. So the the way you feel is not how you want to feel. You don't make the choice to feel that way. It's the way that you feel in habit. Ignorant.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: You're I not see. awake. Yeah. Okay. If you wake up, if you wake up to how the daughter contacts you, then
1: mm-hmm. you
0: can feel any way you want to about it, right? Inclu- including, look how silly she is right now. Well, I think that's really funny.
2: <laughs> I see. Yeah, it's a it's a subtle shift. Uh, I'm not I'm not uh, causing the thought. I'm just reevaluating the thought. I guess.
0: Right. Are you okay. beginning to wake up to the fact that you can do have a choice? Yeah. And in fact, you were saying that you have those choices. Generally, people don't choose to feel bad. Generally, they feel uh, bad out of habit. That when they begin uh, to choose how they're going to feel, they tend to feel good. Yeah. And if they choose to feel bad in some way or another, that's because they're still missing a piece. An example of that was that I used to, I used to be really good at rage when I really wasn't angry. Because hmm. it got me what I wanted, I thought. And then I had to put down that one too.
2: Interesting. The, I, so I, I can see that. See. I can see that with like complaining too.
0: Yeah, right. And so when we get to the point in uh, in the wholesome mind that we don't have anything at all to complain about mm-hmm. on the inside, then how mm-hmm. could we possibly complain to someone on the outside?
2: Yeah, you're just making trouble.
0: Yeah like that cow going down the down the trail you know stepping on people
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know we
0: gotta keep the mind out of that we gotta gotta get them to where they're walking right right okay but once we get to the destination of having only wholesome thoughts now we can relax because we know that only wholesome thoughts are there Mm -hmm. and so that's how we can that's what we mean by sustaining the first jhana which is a major skill point -hmm. Sustaining just one wholesome thought after another, after
2: another. Ah. So, what you're saying is there's no shortcut in the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I am
0: saying that in this moment you can have a wholesome thought.
2: That's true. That's true. I can always short circuit it. (laughs) Yeah, then this moment
0: you can have a wholesome thought. Let's have wholesome thoughts so that once we get good at having wholesome thoughts, then we can really relax. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, do you you have any, any strategies for persistent, like the same thought? Like, let's say we talked about pain the other day, and and I, I understand that pain is in the mind. But on some level, yeah, you the... still
0: don't like it, even though you know that you <laughs> right. still don't
2: like it. <laughs> right. So let's say that I'm in pain and I'm trying to reframe that and saying, like, this is OK or, or whatever. And then I'm just bombarded back with the unwholesome, like, no, no, you're wrong. Like, you need to do something about this.
0: OK, well, here's one of the things then, that I think a lot of people don't understand But the Buddha has said it in several ways and in several places, is that there's no reason to give ourselves an undue burden. Mm. All right. That if you're sitting in a posture that gives you pain, then it really is proper for you to adjust your posture to give yourself ease. I even (laughs) know of suttas to where the Buddha did that also. Mm -hmm. And his back was hurting. Even though there were people there, he gave the teaching to Ananda. While the Buddha took a nap, <laughs> right there in a big group of people. <laughs> now, how does that hmm. grab you? All right. So take care of yourself. Don't sit yeah. because, uh, oh, I'm supposed to be meditating and I'm supposed to be able to get over this pain. No, give yourself the ease. Make hmm. things
2: easy. Doesn't that interfere with concentration?
0: No, the pain interferes with concentration.
2: That's true. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah,
2: I, <laughs> I mean, but if I'm if I'm moving, you know, frequently, then that would also be disruptive.
0: Not yeah. if you do it mindfully. OK, yeah, that's true. And slowly mm. and caressingly. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. OK. And gently allow yourself to be at ease. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. I get it. Yeah. I find it really amusing when we keep talking about Anapanasati of putting wholesome thoughts in our mind. It says, yeah, all right, I'll have all the wholesome thoughts I have so long as I don't have to deal with this pain. And the whole (laughs) point of it is that, wait a minute, wait a minute. Pain itself, the word is an unwholesome thought. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we're already in the unwholesome. What are we gonna do now? <laughs> right. Well, we want to get out of the pain. To get out of that <laughs> right. Okay, so that's yeah, the first yeah. thing. Yeah, be easy on yourself. Don't give yourself pain.
2: Okay, so what if what if the the quote pain is not physical what if it is like the pain or fear of what my responsibilities
0: then uh aha because those responsibilities are not right here there is no boss screaming in your ear right now
2: if there is <laughs> wait
0: a minute, wait a minute, No, that's not that's not your boss. That's you screaming in your ear right now. <laughs> okay, that's
2: true. That's true.
0: <laughs> Important distinction. Because you can't do a whole lot about the boss himself screaming in your ear, but we can do that's something true. about you screaming in your ear. That's true. We really can. We can say, Hey man, Leon. Yeah. We're having a break here.
2: Yeah, 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 you, yeah. I am. I am hard on myself. That's true. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: You know why you're hard on yourself? I have a goal. I have plans.
0: Well, actually, you figured <laughs> out that you, if you're hard on yourself, then that'll keep other people from being hard on you, and so you kind of think that being hard on yourself is easier than letting everybody else
2: be hard on you. Yeah. Ooh, your psychologist is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. So they,
0: yeah, so they say, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that, that we often uh, do that, um, and that it really is um, very easy to see. I'm really glad that the psychologists know all about that. They really picked up on that good. In fact, Freud knew all about it, and it's been part mm-hmm. of psychology ever since. Guess what? The Buddha saw it 2,500 years ago. <laughs> 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 so, oh, yeah. yes. That, um, so, that whole th- thing then um, is that it's called sila the paramasa in the Pali. And what that means is um, actually the translation is kind of um, not very helpful accurate, but not very helpful. Okay. And it, when it says attachment to rights, rules, and rituals. Mm-hmm. But within me think, wait a minute, rights, rules, and rituals are only what they do at the temple. No. Rights, rules, and rituals about the entire society and how everything mm-hmm. is supposed to work.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All your shoulds, all your coulds, all your goals are all stored in this concept about how things should be. Mm -hmm. If you were the king of the world, how would you make it?
1: Mm -hmm. That's
0: your list of rules, is to make you the king of the world so you can get everything you want and do it just your way, including to keep people off my back, I'm going to get on my own back. (laughs) I see, yeah but there's always a bunch of self in there protecting Mm -hmm. the self the wisdom then is to recognize wait a minute that self is transient anyway and because it comes and goes it really doesn't need any protection at all i mean i can kill it dead and it'll be back in three minutes so what difference does it make
1: right Yeah, I see, that,
0: I yeah. It it just comes and goes and comes and goes. And not only that, but it comes. And when it does come, we call it selfish. Yeah. the The problem with the poly in this regard is is that that word anatta. If you understand the word anatta, since we've already been talking about poly, this is this is yeah. a light juicy one. Okay.
2: Uh uh-huh.
0: The word anatta. The word atta. Uh
2: huh
0: is used in Mahatma Gandhi's name, Mahatma. Yeah. Okay, Mahatma, but it's just concatenated the A's together, is to Mahatma. But it means great soul. And mm. the word Atta or Atma is exactly that. And I originally thought that it came from the word in the Greek for atom, A-T-O-M, but I was corrected by a, a scholarly friend of mine that no, mm. it comes from the word A-T-M-O, not A-T-O-M. And the evidence of that is the word A-T-O-M was later in Greek and was only introduced as a concept in about 500 B.C., coinciding with the Buddha. And therefore, oh. that's not what the Buddha meant.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, the word Atom means not cuttable. Hmm. so we used atoms in the same uh, in the sense of um yeah water can be broken down into oxygen and hydrogen but oxygen mm-hmm. and hydrogen can't be broken down so they thought when they used that word they were wrong we can't mm-hmm. break down oxygen <laughs> <laughs> there's no end to it <laughs> right <laughs> and that's What the Buddha is kind of pointing out is is that there is no end to it. So he's saying, ah, Mm. atom. Except that that's not the right word. The actual right word is atmos that gives us the word atmosphere. Uh And the Buddha is saying, yes, the atmosphere with the word spirit built right into it doesn't have a self. That there is no wisdom or knowledge. It just is. There's no
1: atmos
0: that's what the word anatta means by the time we get it translated and and spoken into modern uh uh speech of of the pali but the root of the word is the same as the word of atmosphere the air around us that which surrounds yeah. us and encompasses us and everything now in the vedantas and in some i think it's Pajantali, but i'm not quite sure They talk of that as the great self. The little self is the me that breathes in and out. But what I'm breathing in and out is the big big self.
1: Mm -hmm. Awareness. And the
0: Buddha pointing out that, yes, but that big self is not a self in the sense of a soul. It's not the everlasting. You see, the Buddha was, I guess he knew, or maybe he doesn't, and I'm just assuming that he understood that the atmosphere is temporary.
1: Hmm.
0: It needs gravity in the planet Earth. And mm-hmm. when the planet Earth and the gravity are not here anymore, your atmosphere, where is it gone now? It's not here anymore, okay? Mm-hmm. Everything is temporary, including the air we breathe. Yeah. In fact, even the air that we breathe, we can see. Sometimes the wind is blowing, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's full of smoke, sometimes things are on fire. All kinds of things that make the, the air itself different and changeable. And there is nothing eternal about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's what we're talking about is the word anata. Mm-hmm. It should have, in fact, not have been translated as anata as no self, but it should have been translated as no soul.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's no permanent essence to water. The right. water can't be broken apart. All right. And yet the Christians think that, that, that inside of each one of us, and, they, and various ones will think that it's either physical or metaphysical or uh, a, a bundle of energy or a bundle of joy, whatever it is, there's a soul right. that's so strong that it will survive the death and rotting away of a human body.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's, and that's all, clear. And
0: all yeah. we know is is that when worms eat DNA out of human corpses, it becomes worm DNA. It does not stay that human DNA.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And everything that comes together falls apart. That's one of the major teachings of the Buddha. Anything that can be caused to come together will come apart when uh, the causality changes. Mm -hmm. Another way of talking about it is is that every fire has a fuel, that fires are known Mm -hmm. by their fuel. You have a house Mm -hmm. fire, a grass fire, a, a gas fire, a log fire. Every fire is known by its fuel. What is it that, uh, what kind of fire? I mean, even electrical fire, kind of misnamed because we know where the fire got started, but really it's the electrical equipment fire that's burning. (laughs) It's not an electrical fire, folks, it's an electrical equipment fire. (laughs) Sorry, been an engineer here too long. (laughs) But you get the point. So what fire is it that you know of that does not have any fuel?
1: Yeah,
2: there isn't any.
0: So if there was such a fire, it would have to be magical because it doesn't fit the laws of nature. Right. And so, for instance, ghost, what is the fire or what is the fuel that keeps a ghost a ghost?
2: Yeah, there can not be. What
0: is the fire that fuels hell in the Christian mind? Sorry, I just gave it away.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I see it.
0: The hell is hot only when we think it's hot. That's where the the fire is. We have Mm -hmm. to understand where the fuel comes from. And when we understand the fuel, then we recognize that a lot of the things that we have that we think are real are not real. Mm Mm-hmm. Their fuel comes from the mind, not from reality.
2: Mm-hmm. I, th- th- that's called the three characteristics, right, uh, Anisha, Precisely. Jutta, I've been hitting uh, yeah. them pretty hard and not telling you I was. <laughs> uh, no, I'm familiar with that. In, in fact, when what what I would consider, I guess, uh, maybe ignorantly, like a a good meditation session is is when those things are very clear. Um
0: it's yeah. so important in anapanasati that actually that's step 13. Uh, start to be aware of the rising and the falling of just <laughs> everything, everything is rising and
1: falling yeah.
0: everything yeah. is just up and down and up and down and up and down some of it's really fast some of it's quite slow but everything is in its own rhythm and hmm. anicca uh in fact there's uh one of the polyphrases is Anicca vata sankara Tesa Tesa suko. Now, what that last word is, the last word ended is sukha. And what it means uh, is death is the highest peace. This is actually a funeral chant. <laughs> Aniccha oh. is the first word of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Aniccha is the first word, and the ending word is sukha. Hmm, this is a funeral chant. <laughs> 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 and Nietzsche, Vata Sankara, is actually um, um, <clears throat> everything that can, that's the Sankara, which means a collection or mm-hmm. a group or a compound or anything that is stuck together because of some original cause. Okay. So that you could even use the word associated. Okay. Any association will fall apart. Uh-huh. Every association will fall apart. Every water molecule is subject to falling apart into oxygen and hydrogen. Everything mm-hmm. is subject to decay. wat Watta Sankara, including every one of us. Mm. And that. Uh, that rotting away, then, is finally the peace.
2: Because yeah. once
0: we <laughs> are dead, you finally have peace. Peace or death is the highest peace.
2: Right, yeah, that was then great. then
0: you got to keep <laughs> breathing. And that's a
1: bit of... <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so when you're dead, finally, we're completely at rest. Completely, and that's uh, why they call it... Uh, and it's, a, it's a silly joke, I know, but most Westerners just don't get it. And that is the... Uh, the Maha Peri Nibbana. Uh
2: huh. That's.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's, which, yeah. which, which means. Uh, um, maha means the great one, and Peri means around. Okay. Okay, like paramedics are medics, mm-hmm. but they're not quite. They're almost doctors, they're around doctors. <laughs>
2: Okay. Okay. Is that really what it means?
0: Yeah, and, and peri-legals. Those that are not quite oh, legal.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but they hang around the legal. So so the maha, oh. the great hanging around of cool. Uh. That's what maha peri means. It means a great big cooling off. Everything cools down. Not just the core, but the whole surroundings, everything's cooled up. And, mm. and so that's the, that's the highest happiness, the highest peace, the highest contentment is to be dead. Mm-hmm. Knowing that doesn't it give you an idea. Well, we got to try that out sometime. <laughs> I got to be ready for it. In fact, I really yeah. want to be there. I want to see what's going on.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, not yet, though. I've got to prepare for it. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> got to practice.
0: Got to practice. You got a bit more practice to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you can handle your last moment of death, then you can handle that last moment before you hit your daughter. Mm-hmm. You can't.
1: Yeah.
0: And then you don't
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you're not going to go into that unwholesome and you know it. Right. Exactly. All Right. So if you could do it at that moment, then you can do it even before you open your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Even before you open your mouth, because it's easy for you to say, yeah, I'm not going to hit her. But now we're not not even going to open the mouth. Now that's the level that we have to think about.
2: Yeah, like increasingly more subtle Mm -hmm. control, I guess, yeah.
0: Until you develop the skills of it. Until it's effortless, right? Right. That's uh, that's a good skill to be able to catch your anger before you open your mouth. That's good. It's late,
1: but it's good.
2: (laughs) 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 Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Okay,
0: and we do that constantly by practicing putting wholesome thoughts in, putting wholesome right. thoughts in, putting because you can already see that these anger thoughts are not wholesome. Wait a minute, right. I don't have to even say anything, I can check the unwholesomeness of that and chuck it right out because I've gotten in the habit of doing that. Yeah, so that's why we practice in seclusion, we practice in seclusion so that we can get into the habit and start forming the habits of let's have wholesome thoughts let's not allow yeah. thoughts to go into dangerous territory
1: that's
2: it, yeah it, I like again to, to reiterate dangerous versus bad
1: uh-huh. not
2: bad it's just kind of a warning
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah funny how the Buddha used that word <laughs> he didn't use bad <laughs> on on purpose perhaps <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's dangerous And it's something will happen that you don't like
2: Right But it's all
0: back to the issue of the Vedana In fact, that's something that we can talk about At a, at a later time of how How we feel about things Determines whether things are good or are bad
1: mm-hmm.
0: If I like it, then I want it And if I like it and want it Then I think it's good right. If I don't like it, and I don't want it Then I think it's bad And there's where goods and bad come from Not yeah. wisdom All right. (laughs) Good and bad, but not wisdom-oriented.
2: Wisdom-oriented is,
0: yeah, everything's okay. (laughs) So good.
2: (laughs) Would you say wisdom is more objective,
0: then? I would say it's more... I'll use the word trajectory. Okay. To look at how things are headed yeah look at the mind moments this leads to this leads to this leads to that and when you can begin to understand these cause-effect relationships about how things happen that's wisdom is to see mm-hmm. that stuff in process so that you can whack it off someplace you can you can how do you say it uh head yeah. it off at the past <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, and so the analogy then would be at a gun um, shooting range, mm-hmm. everyone is very mindful of which direction every gun is pointed. You don't see Grandpa with the gun under his arms, <laughs> over his, oh, uh, and he's just walking around about to blow any and everybody's kneecaps off. Right. He will be warned to no, know you don't hold a shotgun like that.
2: <laughs> right, yeah.
0: No, you don't. You don't go out in public and and have that thing pointed at anybody okay why is that when hunters uh, are out together they make sure that you don't point your gun at yeah. anybody you keep your gun either pointed in the air or pointed at the ground but not at a dog
2: and not I, would, at a person. Yeah. I mean practice is part of that right
0: Yeah, but it's partly mindful because they see how dangerous it is if the gun goes off while they're not mindful of which direction the barrel is pointed. Right. When we understand that every one of us is carrying a much bigger shotgun up here, we begin to (laughs) look at which way it's pointed. (laughs) So in case it goes off, it's going to go off into the wholesome rather Mm -hmm. than into something unwholesome.
2: Yeah, it's interesting.
0: is Which direction is this thing headed? Is this an unwholesome kind of direction, or is, uh, and so this is wisdom is be able to see how things are going, see things headed.
2: Yeah, I get that. That makes a lot of sense. Trajectory. It's interesting, even even just talking about what the practice is is freeing in itself. Like, is it's, it's almost like gladdening the mind just talking about. But-
0: that's the why process. they <laughs> use words like basu, like "moksha" and uh, "viveka." Uh, That's what these words mean. Moksha, mok, freedom. Yeah. Watso and mok, which the uh, word "watso" means the garden of liberation,
2: freedom, freedom park. Ah. Uh, there's that language again. So fascinating. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, it means Freedom Park. Uh, wow. So the word moksha is used commonly in in the Pali uh, and so is uh, uh, viveka and, uh, and other things. Viveka has uh, more of, uh, of the quality of you're about to touch something like you, you're about, about to pick up a bunch of leaves and you mm. recognize there's a snake right there.
2: Mm.
0: What do you do? How do you respond? You draw back.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah you way. really draw back <gasps> like that.
2: That's the right. quality
0: of the Okay.
2: And you can't do that if you're not aware. If you don't
0: see that yeah. snake, if you can't see that duca, if you don't see that danger. But if you see that danger, you go, <gasps> and that's exactly <laughs> what we want to do. Or we want that cow herd to hit that cow. We want him to hit it. Because we can see the danger of that cow about to step on something. Yeah. So this, these are analogies that give that quality of, you know, escape. Right. You know, moksa, getting away from that thing.
2: <laughs> is that, uh, I've heard you use the phrase uh, "duca duca naroda. Is that? That's dukkha. What
0: that is? Dukkha naroda. Dukkha is being able to see that and escape from it immediately. Yeah. Many people understand dukkha, dukkha nerode is, oh, I've got to see dukkha and really understand it well and live in dukkha and really have my belly full of it. And then if I'm really, really good at seal or something, something will happen. And then all of a sudden I can feel relief. Hmm. And that's, and, but that's very that's Western mind. That? That's, yeah. that's very much uh, also in the sense of karma. If you keep doing good, eventually you'll get good results.
2: Mm-hmm. it's like and later the Buddha,
0: mind. and the Buddha is not into that kind of good karma he's into the good karma that if you do it good right now you'll get good results right now don't yeah. worry about the future if you're doing it good now if you can bring in wholesome thoughts you'll have the benefit of those wholesome thoughts just like right we Talked about uh, those five uh, uh, analogies for the hindrances. It's like getting out of jail. Isn't that good enough right now? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that good enough? (laughs) Yeah, it's like uh, coming home and setting our baggage down. And, whoa, what a relief. I'm glad I'm not on the road. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember years ago when I was doing it, that I would get on the ferry where all the the, the tourist high-speed catamaran. Because I was going to the other island for a visa or whatever. And so uh, I basically could carry everything I needed in a pocket. No mm-hmm. luggage at all. And here wow. I am with all of these people with all this luggage. And I'm marveling <laughs> about this suit that I know of, a of. Looking how much they're struggling. And they're always worried about their luggage. And even when they uh, set all the luggage up in the front of the boat everybody's looking for their luggage is anybody going to get my luggage you know and you can't just set your luggage down someplace to go up to a ticket counter no you got to carry it with you or have a friend so the whole issue of the luggage is really a big deal yeah and so if (laughs) you could just walk free don't carry a bunch of baggage not a bunch of luggage around luggage is hard work
2: yeah and And you never need it and
0: we don't need it and guess how what kind of mental luggage mental baggage we have it's a set of law books mm. that's the baggage we carry
1: yeah
0: a set of law books <laughs> yeah
2: it totally is wow.
0: I a, a bunch of shoulds and woulds, and how's that kid supposed to act and right all this all this baggage that we have of how things ought to be and how things should be. Mm-hmm. And then we turn it around and slap ourselves with the very books that we're carrying around. <laughs> not matching up to our own expectations.
2: Right, right. And that's the the critical mind that we talked about.
0: That's the critical right. mind that we're talking about. Yeah. That's the critical mind. There's that set of law books and we carry it around until yeah. the Buddha advises us, Hey, send <laughs> all that stuff down. And look at what's happening right now, and you've got all the rulemaking you need. Is this suffering, or is this not? Mm-hmm. Is this sukha, or is this dukkha? Make that connection over and over again until you're getting very good at it, and you keep changing and, and choosing suka. You keep choosing mm-hmm. the wholesome. Over and over again, you get into the habit of doing that, and boy, isn't
2: that nice. Mm. Mm-hmm. It reminds, isn't there a, isn't there a story? Of, I don't know if it's the original Buddha, but uh, someone asks him for a teaching while he's traveling. I think, and I think all he does is put down his bag, and that's the whole teaching. <laughs> or he tells the other guy to put down his bag or something. That bag.
0: sounds much more zen than the way that the Buddha taught. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very zen. <laughs> They're the ones who who drop stuff or slam doors and things like mm. that to, for the. That story, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I can understand. I, I do know that there's a, a story in the uh, Sut one of the very very oldest books,
1: mm-hmm.
0: where a guy is 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 running from this city to that city. He's a messenger, and al- along the way he says, "Well, why am I running so hard? What I could walk." And so he slows down to a walk. Mm-hmm. And while he's walking up up ahead, he sees a shade tree. And so he says, well, why don't I stand in the shade for a little while? And while he's standing in that shade tree, he sees that there's a nice grassy area sitting right under the tree and he says, well, why don't I sit down? Mm -hmm. This is the (laughs) spiritual journey that we're on. Okay. Is why don't I take it easy? why why am i running when i could walk why am i walking when i could stand why am i standing
2: when i could sit so is the only thing between that mindset and like um craving for like i guess like a a dhamma pleasure or something is is wisdom is that I think
0: yeah. keeping us from so so yeah so that town or that city that he is running to is uh, is let us say pleasures of Dhamma city
2: yeah uh, okay
0: okay yeah always wanting something yeah so to just this is it relax this is good enough this is satisfying yeah this is good enough that's the quality that needs to be practiced. So that you can continue, and that's uh, this is good enough. This is fine. And then she comes in and pushes your buttons, and you say, "Oh, this is okay. This is fine."
2: <laughs> but that takes a bit of training. <laughs> it does. It does.
0: <laughs> and then you can say, "Oh, I noticed you just pushed my button. Was that fun or what?" <laughs>
2: Oh, it's so true.
0: So that's how we begin to practice. That's how we continue to practice. And we continue to practice in the direction of it gets easier and easier and easier along the path. Yeah. The hardest work that we have to do is enormously pleasurably immediate, even though there is effort involved. One's right effort. <laughs> we have to take that right effort of immediately throwing un- hindrances out. But the more often we do it, the easier it becomes to do. Yeah. And to assume no, totally right. we don't have to throw anything out. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I know. Yeah. All right. So practice. Enjoy. Okay. Pra- practice on the cushion. Practice mm-hmm. on the couch. Practice all alone. And practice with the grouch.
2: <laughs> all right i'm keeping that up prayer
0: we'll see you dan it's really good to see you thank uh, you great to see, to see you,
2: see you again, sure.
1: okay take bye-bye. care Bye.